Hey, welcome to Pivot and Thrive. This is your host, Kim Shea. It's January 11th, 2023, and I have met somebody that I think has some very valuable information that I had never heard about, and I'm hoping that it's new to you too. And, and regardless, I think you'll find it very interesting. I'm sure you've heard of cremation, but perhaps you've never heard of aquamation. So I'd like to welcome my guest, David Perfido. He's going to fill us in on this new way to, um, what would be the polite, what's the polite way to say it? Not to dispose of a body, but what would you say is appropriate? Yes, thank you. We, we say final disposition or okay. uh, end of life care. It, it, it keeps uh, words keep coming up just to be a little bit more gent- gentler and softer and, and uh, more caring. So uh, okay. final disposition is one. Not many people know that, but. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't really sure there. So tell me this. So David Perfido, tell me about your background. How did you ever come into this? Right. So uh, I've been a business owner for many, many years and uh, uh, in a different industry. And I happened to have the opportunity to work in uh, this industry in fire cremation uh, to be more specific and in a crematory to be really specific that had three retorts uh, we were hired to do wiring. So we're a wiring company, audio video. And in crematories, uh, you have to have cameras that point at your stack to make sure there's no smoke emissions, no visible smoke emissions. Um, and also while we were there, we were there for about uh, eight working days. And we uh, did all the network wiring, built out the security um, Things of that nature, things that we would use in technology. We're a technology wiring company. So uh, that's what brought me to this industry. I saw it as a business person and, and said, uh, you know, someday I, I want to have a, a crematory because I really like the, the business model of it. Um, we were used to having many, many employees, uh, anywhere from uh, 40 to 50 employees at any given time. And I had a very big business. And this this specific business model, this business plan seemed to be operated by maybe one and a half people. And uh, it had a great revenue stream or so I thought at that time. And uh, I, it had something I always wanted to do. So. And so you, I mean, it's interesting because that's such a different line. I mean, a business is business. I understand that a business person can probably run any number of businesses, but that's such a completely different it's not even opposite. It's just completely different line of work. It is. It is completely different. I've so always been. Was that daunting? Uh, no, I don't think I'm smart enough for it to be daunting. Uh, it was just something I really wanted <laughs> to do because I uh, I saw the value in it only from a maybe from a health perspective. Just just having uh, many many years of business and, and many many employees. It after a while it gets to be you know a little bit much. Uh, it's it, running a big machine like that. You, you have to, you know, it, it takes, it takes quite a bit. And I don't know if we just didn't have uh, more office staffing. We had about nine people in the, in, you know, in, in corporation office and everyone else was out in the field. Anyway, long story short, it seemed uh, like a great company to, to plan out retirement with um, because it didn't take much manpower with that, yeah, it was something I had always wanted to do, and that was uh, about 13 years ago. I got introduced to it, and um, I, I, I would say right now I didn't fully understand um, what was involved in, in that number game, in that business model number game, if you will. And I think uh, coming into this, I, 
I think I found a little favor and got a little lucky uh, with with that because as I'm in this industry now for the last um, three and a half years, uh, it seems to be a different business model than what I thought. Uh, also, this new industry of water cremation uh, is very unknown. So that was a whole nother challenge to um, to bring it to the state and to get all the licensing and permitting and also to um, introduce it to the public because not many people know about it. So there have been many, many challenges along the way. Uh, I'll have to, to say that I have been um, I've, I've been greatly appreciative of being in this industry uh, because it's not what I thought it was, and it's become something so much more. So I'm very thankful to uh, you know to be able to sit with families and and uh, and help and to serve them well. Yeah. Yeah, that's neat that uh, we had talked about that, how, how that's affected you. So mm-hmm. let, let me go back a little bit. So, um, so you, you went into this with the intention of doing standard cremation. Is that correct? That was the business you correct. had planned on? Fire, fire, okay. cremation, correct. Okay. And so then you found out about the aqua cremation or how did that, how did that come yeah, about? Yeah, there were quite, there were, there were quite a few challenges in my city uh, with my location and my building uh, in modification to have to be allowed to have a a retort or a a, a flame crematory, if you will, and uh, so okay. in 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 those challenges, um, not only operationally or, or um, community based or financially, it, it it really pushed me towards. Uh, I'm not I'm not going to go that route anymore. I'm going to do something a little bit easier. And uh, that's how we got on to the water cremation. And, and I was introduced to that about a year and a half before uh, making the decision because we, we were definitely going to become a flame crematory funeral home. And, um, yeah, and we just we changed midstream because of the financial demand and the community demand and just all of the uh, permitting demand at that time. What, now, what I didn't know, was it was probably easier to do that than it was to bring uh, water cremation to California to be the first because you have to re-educate everybody along the way. And in so doing, it, it, it slows the process down and, um, you know, everyone's quite suspect of it, even though it's, it's, uh, there's about 34 other operators in the United States right now. Okay, so did you say you're the, you're the first one in California? For, for human, correct. Yeah. Pet, is that what you're doing it for pets uh, for a while. Aquamation or aqua cremation or water cremation for pets have been around for a oh. while in California. But for human uh, and in the funeral industry for people, yeah, that's a completely different story. Much more heavily regulated and, and scrutinized and, and rightfully so. Okay, so can you tell, because for, I mean, when you first told me that, I just could not even picture how this would work. So can you tell us how this works because it's very easy to understand fire cremation the body goes in it gets burned it's it's pretty obvious to us so sure. but this is hard to understand if you have not heard of it but then i know you make it easy to understand so uh, if you could tell us okay. yeah, it is it is I mean, it's pretty straightforward easy to understand um to go to start with flame cremation a lot of people think that the uh, ashes that you get back are from the fire just like we associate like a campfire or a fireplace fire or any kind of a paper fire you know you have ashes left over and you have to uh, do something with those ashes. You have to clean them up, if you will. 
Now, what most people don't understand is that the, the ash or ashes, in plural, that you get back uh, are actually calcium or actually the bone, all of the bone. There's no ash per se at what we would think of like firewood or just to simplify it, if you want. Ah, okay. uh, yeah, but ash is, is bone. So if you think of a flame cremation that you're getting back all the skeletal bone pulverized, and that's being put in an urn, and they call it ash or ashes, then understanding water cremation um, is much easier, much easier, because you have the same, at the end of the process, you have the same skeletal remains that are pulverized, put in an urn, and given back to a family. The exact same, uh, well, it's not the exact same process, but you have the exact same results, cremated remains. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so how does, how does it work? How can water possibly do the same thing as flame? Yeah. Well, we raise the alkalinity of the water to the top of scale, about 13 and a half. 14 is top pH. And um, we do that by using potassium salts uh, in the water. We introduce it to the water. And um, what that does is it it, it rapidly um, accelerates the decomposition process. So uh, if you were, uh, if, if, Someone who passed away, and you just bury them in a in, in a in a grave. Uh, in in uh, uh, they they would obviously decompose. The, the elements of nature would break that body down, and all that would be left are the bones. So in our machine, we use alkaline water to do that. So we use ninety five percent water and five percent alkali salt, and um, it's done in about eight hour process. We, we continuously move the water around the body. It's a very gentle uh, water flow. And, um, yeah, that breaks down uh, all the bonds of the tissue. So you, you're, turned, you're left with the proteins and the amino acids and the salts and the fats, and, and uh, all that is, is taken away, and the skeletal bone is left behind. About an eight-hour process. Okay, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, what about the environmental implications? Sure. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I'll, just, I'll come back to my question. I was later. just going to add to that. So um, much more gentle, much more gentle on the environment, much more gentle on the deceased, uh, much more gentle on your perception of what's happening. Uh, it's, not, it's not aggressive at all. Um, it, it turns out in, in our facility or our funeral home and our hydrolysis facility, everything is connected. So it turns to, turns out to be a much more intimate, unique experience for a family. Um, a lot of families aren't aware that most funeral homes don't have their own crematories. They use a third party. Or if that funeral home does have a crematory, it's somewhere up in a more of a, um, a less populated area. Um, so you're, the, the deceased are being transported all over the place if you will. And um, we offer that here all under one roof, so a little bit more uh, intimate and um, gentle, non-aggressive on the environment as well. So there's no emissions. There's no fossil fuels used to uh, heat the water or heat the machine. And, um, yeah, the water is sent to uh, reclamation, and they recycle uh, or they treat and they release uh, out in the ocean. So it's just, it's much more connected to nature and to what happens if, um, you know, if you were just uh, like a green burial, what we would say, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, I like that. And I think that's, yeah, people can relate to a green burial too. I know I can. I, I like that concept mm-hmm. of that the body just stays there. I don't think I realized that bodies left and went other places. And I think that could make some people nervous about what what could happen, what could go wrong. So Sure. Before I got into the industry about a year that's prior nice. to it, yeah, I had my mom pass away. And a year before that, my grandmother, two very, I was two very, very close people in my life. And uh, I had no idea, but I used the same, I wonder I had no idea. I used the same funeral home that owned that crematory that I worked in uh, back in 2010 that gave me the idea. Oh. So I kind of knew that they were being moved all around, um, but uh, I, I didn't really, I think at the moment you don't really think about it. You know, you're grieving and, and uh, but, and, and afterwards it's part of the grieving process maybe is being uh, upset or being uh, angry or, you know, feeling hurt uh, that my loved one wasn't protected or, or cared for properly or, you know, they were bounced around here and there. So, again, we try to alleviate all of that. Um, we're, we are like an open book. So we give many tours. We let people see uh, what, what goes on here. We also have a witness window. So if somebody wants to watch that procedure and be a part of it, they can. So we try to be very inclusive, uh, very compassionate and just really serve them well in what they need. We have many resources afterwards. And so. Oh, that's nice to help people with grief. Yeah. Is that what you mean? Mm-hmm, I do. So you have resources afterwards. Yeah. We, we've partnered with a local um, hospice agency here that has bereavement and uh, um, grief counseling and many, many uh, robust for all ages from three to 17 up to adulthood and they have a facility and yeah, it's, it's, it's quite remarkable. Uh, like I said, since I've, since I've been in this space, I have, I'm just so incredibly impressed and blown away by the people that really care about what they're doing. It's, uh, it's tremendous to me. I, you know, I look back and I go, I don't know what I've been doing all my life because this is fantastic. You know, I can't think of anything better than to serve people, you know, in that capacity because it's very important. It is important and it's really critical when people are so vulnerable and so raw to come in here and to to deal with this. It's, it's so nice. So so this is a completely, in addition to being a different kind of work, it's also a completely different type of service that the relationship that you have with your clients where before it was probably, you know, do what you needed to do, make some jokes, have some serious conversation, but not anything like what you're doing now, I would imagine. No, nothing like that. And I, I find myself wanting, to, I, I have to hold myself back because I want to get even more involved with, uh, you know, with these families and, and, and with their lives. And of course, you know, you can only uh, spread yourself so far, but um, yeah, there's, there's quite a tug to just be very involved with people uh, at this time. So it's, yeah. I have to, I initially have to put on the, uh, remember that I'm a, a, I wear a business hat and I, you know, serve uh, families with that as well because uh, I, I don't do well both, I guess. And it's, it's interesting. Uh, yeah. It's challenging. It's very challenging because I just want to help. I just want to serve. And yeah. It, how do you take care of yourself? Is Is it ever where some days, it's really tough or really draining and you need to do something for yourself so that you, cause I, I could see that'd be the kind of thing that could really start to wear on a person. 
yeah. little role. But we get, I'd say everyone that we get are, are quite lovely. So, uh, and they matter greatly to the people that uh, they matter greatly to. So we, we definitely try to respect that. Uh, and we do respect that. I came from an industry before I moved out here to California in uh, 1994. I worked in a biomedical engineering setting uh, in a hospital back east. So I was very familiar with um, bodies and people and technology and uh, hospital settings and sickness and and all of these type of things. So I think that that prepared me very well to do what I do. Uh, I I don't find myself um, bothered or taking taking things home when it comes to the people that have passed away. I have a different uh, maybe it's part of my belief as well. I have more of a problem with the people that are still here that are grieving through it that I want to either, uh, you know, give them a call or, or invite them to dinner or go to their house and help them, you know, clean up or something like that. So that would be much harder for me than um, the, the deceased, if you will, whether they're um, a few weeks old or whether they're a teenager or whether they're, you know, they live to be a hundred years old and everybody in between. So, that doesn't bother me, but what people are going through, that's really what, that's what I take home. I think at times for sure. Yeah. I would think that'd be hard. You know, like if you worked in a bakery or something and you're making cakes for people, everyone wants to come in and have cake. They're all very happy and they love the cake. And if you just, yeah. I would think being with people who are really sad all day long would be, I just think it would be hard sometimes to come home and not feel a little sad or a little, tired, especially if some of the stories were particularly tragic. I would think that would be hard for you. Absolutely. And I, and I, it's funny because I, maybe because I'm a man, I thought the original thing would be the tangible part of it. Uh, like the bodies, you know, sometimes when um, I tell people what I did, they go, how can you, how can you do that with uh, the deceased? How do you, uh, you know, how do you, doesn't that bother you? That's what I thought they meant. And that's what I kind of thought you meant. Um, but you meant on the other side of it, just, uh, you, you know, with, with the families. And so that's why I elaborated on that. So I, I guess I never really thought of that before when someone says, well, you know, how do you do that? Do you, do you, when you go home, does it bother you that, you know, you took care of a five-year-old or, or you know, a, a 14-year-old? You, you know, that's when I think people really tend to get bothered by people that are too young. You know, 95 to 100, well, you lived a long life. You hung in there. And uh, we're going to take care of you now for your family. But, you know, a 14-year-old or a 5-year-old, that's a lot different. Um, and that's, that's kind of what I thought you meant as far as the people that have passed. Uh, when you said, how do you, you know, is that hard for you? Yeah, that's not, yeah. That's not the hard part. Yeah, I just, the families, yeah, I would think just you come up with some families who are completely broken by what they've gone through. So I think that would just be hard. Yeah. I, want, to do I, what you I, do. I do. I find myself wanting to comfort them. Um, and I, what I also have found out uh, is that just by being present and just listening and being available anytime, day or night, that helps them. Mm. rather than trying to, you know, fix their problem or offer them something that's going to help them or advise them because I know this and you don't. So, Hey, how about try this, try that. And that doesn't, that's not, there's a time and a place, and it's definitely not in this industry, unless, of course, they ask you. So, 
Yeah. 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 Okay. That's interesting. Uh, it's just, to me, your whole, the, the process is very interesting. The concept's very interesting. Um, but also just your transition from one type of work and life and, you know, just what you did every day, your purpose just changed so much with what you do now. It's, it's, it's pretty fascinating. Yeah. I, um, I like, I like the creative part of business. It keeps me very mentally stimulated. And, um, <clears throat> to me, that's always the, the challenge of how can you do that better? How can you serve some, how can you transact better? So as a consumer and as a business owner, you know, I always want to see, I, I always, um, have wanted to make that transaction a really good one where people walk away and they go, that was really good. You know, I, I spent some money and I, and, and I transacted well. So that's always been my goal. And, and within that, um, different things come up that I guess they stimulate me mentally in business. And I want to, I want to go ahead and I want to do those. So there's been many more other ideas, if you will, um, along the way. A lot of times people put this kind of thing off. They don't talk about what they want done with their bodies. So, you know, talk about an older person, obviously not a child, but um, they don't, they don't say what they want. When my father passed away, it was very sudden. It was a heart attack and nobody had a clue what he wanted done. Um, What, what can you recommend to people about being able to think about what they want, explore what they want and say what they want? Do you have any advice for people? Or for the families that have to make the decision. Sure. I mean, it sounds like you're maybe two things there. Um, I, I would say, I would always say, and I, I'm very apprehensive about sounding salesy. Like when we had met where in the, in the uh, venue where we met, I, I'm always a little apprehensive because it, you know, it's an easy way. Maybe it's not an easy way. Some people would use those, those platforms to really promote. Um, and I would, I don't want to appear to be that way. So I'm a little, um, I'm a big advocate of pre-need, big advocate of talking to your children about, you know, what you need and when you're healthy and um, writing it down, having a trust and a will and getting everything in, in order because I really feel like it, it, it's part of your responsibility in life. So if you have a, if you have a spouse and if you have children, that's just one more responsibility, kind of like protecting and taking care of and, and bringing them up and training them up well. So is end of life, everyone knowing, because at that point, it's, it's really going to be a tough, um, a tough responsibility for whomever is taking care of uh, your end of life. So uh, I would always advocate, I'm a big advocate of talking about it. Um, some people are, are very apprehensive to, no, I don't want to talk about death. I don't want to, I don't want to do any of that because I might get jinxed or, you know, whatever their beliefs are. But, um, you know, everyone's usually yeah. always focusing on themselves. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, a good, it's a good way to give and to serve others by taking care of uh, everything prior to death. So I'm, I am a big advocate of that. Uh, I want to get out in the community and give uh, uh, seminars about it. And again, I just don't want to appear to be salesy. That we're trying to promote uh, our brand. What I'm really trying to promote is... is it's nothing to be scared about. It's something that's part of your responsibility. And it's really a gift to your children. If you have, you know, if you have children uh, and it's a responsibility to your spouse. You're, you're not salesy. When I met you, 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 you try so hard not to be salesy. And so, but it, it, 
I when my father did die, I mean, that was something we really struggled with. Is this the right thing to do? Is this what he wanted? And then you don't know. There's nobody who tells you, yes, that's what I wanted. So you're really wondering. And yeah. it would have been nice to know for sure this is exactly what he wanted. And here's where he wanted his ashes to go. We didn't have that. So I know with my children, that was something that was important for me to get a trust set up and a will so they know exactly what needs to be done. And um, I even had which crematorium I wanted my ashes to go to, but now I'm, I mean, where I wanted the services to be held, but now I'm going to tell them about your place because I like that. It's so environmentally responsible. That's something that's a very important part of my life. And so I want them to know. So it's just like a, a, you know, recipe book. You're going to do this. You're going to call this person. You're going to have this done there just so that it's so stressful as it is. It's so mind blowingly and numbingly stressful when you lose somebody but to just have this stuff in order where it's like, oh, I already took care of that. It's just one nice thing you can do. I feel this one nice thing you can do for your children. It's, and when you take care of it, you don't automatically die because I took care of it a few years ago and I'm still here. So it doesn't jinx it. I know that's something that a lot of people really do worry about. If I if I talk about it, then I'm going to die. And you will, but it could be decades from now. Right. So it's not... It's just, it's just, it's so, it's so scary to people, you yeah. know, it's just so yeah. funny. And something to add to that as well. That's very funny. Um, is that in, in, in taking care of that. And if you, if you are trying to be responsible, you're absolutely right. It's going to be quite a grief journey to start with and to, to walk with. And so that's a, that's a big, that's a big hit you could take off their shoulders because they're going to grieve, but why should they have to grieve and try to plan and then try to go, I wonder if I'm doing the right thing. Just like you, you know, you said, because we want to do, you know, we want to serve, we just kind of naturally want to serve people well, unless of course we don't like them. And then even then, you know, we can be remorseful and change our mind about that. So I, I think that's, I think that's huge to remember those things that, yeah, these people are going to want to do something good for you. And why not get it all planned out in the, you know, prior Make it easy. Well, you make that part of it easy, right? Because the they get to celebrate. Yeah, right. Yeah, you can't right. fix everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think like my father and I had a, kind of a challenging relationship, but still, when he died, it was like, okay, that's over. The challenge is over. I just wanted to honor him, and I wanted to be able to do it the right way. And I think that's one thing people might not realize is even if there's any animosity, any strain your children, your loved ones are really going to want to honor you. It's going to be something that's important to them to do. Even if they don't come around and think, wow, that was the greatest person ever, they're going to want to honor you. So I just feel like that's the yeah. nice thing you can do. And, and if you think somebody. about it, that the older we get, it's part of your completion. You know, you're, you're constantly learning uh, how to be, I won't say a better human, but maybe how to be, how to be more charitable with, um, you know, your, your time or your emotion, um, things of that nature. And, you have to, you're, you'll continue to take that passing of a loved one, whether it was, again, whether it was a great relationship or it was distant or broken or whatever, and, and you'll still be processing that. I mean, personally, personally, you, you'll you continue to walk with that until you pass away. I don't think you ever come to a certain plateau, to a plateau where you go, oh, okay, yeah, we're good. I mean, I think you can, but I think you're always, you know, are, we're always working on it. So that adds to it to do a job well done adds to it. And then you're still trying to go, I wonder why my dad didn't, I wonder why he did, you know, all these things we wonder about that we never figure out, right? It's can, life can be confusing. And I think uh, 
some of the time it, it stays that way. So. Yeah, true. Sometimes, like you said, you walk with it for your lifetime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, is this something people can pay for ahead of time? Like I know I had to take care of um, burial arrangements for a friend of mine when she passed, but she had already purchased a spot of land that she wanted and, and, and but there were things I had to go in and take care of. Is this something somebody could do? It really take care is. Yeah. And, and I'm glad that you had brought that up. We have a, okay. a free need counselor that we work very closely with. He's also a funeral director, uh, many years of experience in our industry, serving families as an arrangement and as a funeral director. And so he represents us in uh, our pre need contracts. And so, um, yeah, really, like an ex- like an extension of what what I would what I would want, and I try to partner with people that uh, are very like minded with taking care of people well, and yeah, and so we have that you, we have that that you can you can uh, buy a small life insurance policy, you can purchase it up front, or you can make payments on it, and it's affordable, and um, yeah, it's just uh, again, I think it's the uh, definitely the right thing to do and at the least have everything written down in a trust and talk to your kids about, Hey, this is what I want. Don't you guys fight about this or about that? This is what's going to happen. And uh, yeah. Yeah. And you can do that with the pre-need contract, all that to say. Okay. That's good to know. Um, I saw on, you had posted a, a picture on LinkedIn of your, your building uh, on the inside and it's very lovely and even talking to you right now it's very it's everything looks very clean and very bright and very welcoming and it's not there's nothing creepy that you know that I can see there there's nothing dark or foreboding or haunted house like right. or whatever and so I think what I'd like to do is share an image when I post this podcast and start sharing it I would like to have an image so people can kind can see it's really you've imagined things very nicely for people. I think it's very nice. seems like it's a nice place to come that you would feel very. Well, thank you. Yeah. We, there. we, um, I, I had, I had purchased this building in 2018 and, um, it's, it's kind of in an industrial area of our town. Um, so I, we took apart the whole inside and we freshened everything up, made it all new. And we did the same with the outside, but it's still an older, older building. And, um, but to that note of making it very, it's very, very important to me that everything is very clean, very well lit, uh, and that people are very comfortable. And I'm always open to uh, industry people that come in and make a suggestion, uh, you know, because fresh eyes are always good. But we've we've done a um, we've done a little reorg inside just to make it more comfortable. And um, in the back of our facility, so we have, uh, I'll cut our building up into maybe thirds. So our front third is our funeral home offices and arrangement room. Uh, We also have a witness room up front. And then the other two thirds of the building are, uh, is our hydrolysis facility. And again, it's more like a medical suite. It's, it's very, very clean. It's very well lit. Everything is stainless steel. And um, it's, it, we have, um, pictures on the wall, if you will. And uh, yeah, it just, it makes it more cozy, even though it's very clean. And that environment is, I I think in that environment, it's okay to be more sterile and medical. Uh, And then people see that and they go, wow, this is not your normal flame crematory, which is very industrial in nature. 
But um, yeah, so thank you for that. And we do try very, very hard to make it uh, almost like a, a transparent when they walk in from the outside and they meet our staff and they're very well comforted. And while they're here, they get a good, they get a good feel of uh, what's important to us. What kind of innovations have you done? What, 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 I mean, it seems like it's been nothing but innovation, but what else have you done to make this a better right. And it feels like it's been nothing else but innovation <laughs> up to this point, because it's been such a challenge with all of the state agencies and local government agencies. Um, one thing that we have put into play, it was very important to, to us that when people call and they have someone who has passed away and they need our, our, our help or they want our services uh, to, if it always seems like everyone's in a hurry and hospitals will hurry you along and nursing facilities, memory care facilities will hurry you along. They have about a four hour rule, usually those facilities to get the, the deceased out of there. Um, I think they're um. trying to do that. So other, the other Residents don't get too upset. Uh, in a hospital, they're quickly, when you're mm-hmm. done in the room, uh, whoever's passed away, they quickly bring you down to the morgue so they can fill that bed again because it's a business. So uh, with that in mind, people sure. have kind of gotten yeah. this rushed feeling. Well, we don't really like that, but we have to play by those rules because they're not here. One thing we, we, in, we, we put into play is that when someone passes away on hospice at home, when they're at home, not at a facility, but they're at home, um, it's a very gentle experience. And I, I would think it would be very, um, if I had my choice, I would want to pass away at home or with my family around me and, or at least a hospice person. And uh, what we have brought into play is a cooling blanket of sorts. So this little machine, this little cooling blanket, will keep a body cool when it's when they pass away. Uh, keep a body cool for uh, a number of days if you wanted to, and uh, it will slow down the body breaking down or the decomposition process. And um, so what we did is we started talking to people when they would call in and we find out that their loved ones on hospice say, well, do you, you know, do, did you want to keep them there rather than bring them to the funeral home and do your service and do everything here and have all your people come from out of town and rush to make it happen? And of course, um, instill a lot more of a financial burden, why don't you just keep your loved one at home? We'll come there. We will bring this machine to you and uh, we'll set it up and, and this person can stay in their bed and your family can come in uh, from out of oh or from wherever and pay their last respects or say goodbye. And then when you're all ready, you give us a call, no rush, and we'll come and take our machine and, and take your loved one and we'll, um, you know, finish out the process here. And you can still come here if you want. But it's just, it, to me, it's so much more intimate and unique to keep, um, you know, your 90-year-old father or mother who's passed away at home in their own bed to keep them there. And uh, everyone's concern, of course, is that the, the body might start to have an odor or, you know, because it gets warm depending on what time of year. And this machine uh, is something that there's only one manufacturer. They were in the uh, United Kingdom, and I found them. And I purchased the machine. I brought it in. And, uh, yeah, people are delighted with that service. When you tell them that, they're like, oh, we didn't know we could do that. We thought it was illegal. It's like, well, no, it's not. It's not illegal. Um, so, anyway, we, we've had a lot of huh. um, uh, 
positive reinforcement with that. So that's one innovation. And I mentioned that to different hospices. I talk to hospice all the time. No one's ever heard of anybody doing that. Uh, so I'm, I'm happy yeah. about that. Everyone's like, they're like, that's a great idea. Wow. That's so interesting. It's such almost like a old fashioned thing to do where the body would stay in the house for a while and people could come in and that just I, doesn't happen. Most businesses so want to get beautiful. that body right away so they can, uh, um, you know, they, they, they want a visitation, they want a bombing, they want this, they want that, you know, there's many things that, that come with the death that, that, um, funeral homes can make money on. And I, I'm not trying to definitely not trying to put down funeral homes. I mean, it's a business and it's been going like that for a long time, but the unique factor of the intimacy of it. So that, that's what appealed to me is keeping your loved one there for a day or two days or until someone can get in from out of town and they don't have to come here and be all awkward. They can go to, you know, the parents' house or whomever's house. Um, <clears throat> another thing we did is when we first yeah. came to, um, I guess I'll say market with our water cremation, we only had one package and that was direct water cremation. Um, we have since introduced a sea scatter. So some people don't want to take an urn home. Uh, they love the person very much, but they don't want to have an urn or burden their kids with it when, you know, when they pass away. And so they, they'll, they'll opt for a, a sea scatter, uh, um, which is very legal. Uh, it's off the coast of San Diego. So we built a package around that. There's some beautiful pictures of how they do it and how they honor your loved one. And um, you can still keep a little bit of ash in a keepsake. And um, you can still have a something, a little memorabilia for that person. But most of them, most of the responsibility is is technically buried in water, if you will. Uh, we have another package where we partnered with the Green Cemetery up in Joshua Tree. And uh, we were originally burying whole body there. But since since then, we we don't do that anymore. We refer that out to another funeral home. So we will take the cremated remains and... In a, in a beautiful bamboo urn and actually bury the, the urn in a green burial site in the desert, an absolutely gorgeous part of Joshua Tree. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and then our last package is, is uh, with Better Place Forests. So what they do, they're a concert, uh, conservatory forest. They buy a big piece of uh, the forest and they, they keep it all clean and they uh, make paths and they sell actual trees to families that want to be uh, mixed in with the soil at the bottom, at the base of the tree. And they have a marker. So it's, it's kind of like a living cemetery, if you will. So the gravestones are living. Oh God. Yeah. It's, it's a really, really beautiful, um, oh, big advocate nice. of every, so everything that I mentioned, both in the, the green burial and the uh, better place forest, uh, water bear. I'm a huge advocate of all of those uh, things, which nobody offers those. So we have four packages and um, yeah, it just, it's kind of unique. It's kind of unique. It is, but there's nothing weird about mm -hmm. it. It's beautiful. It's really nice. And for the way a lot of people right now are understanding more about being connected with nature and climate and the world and how fragile it is. I, it's wonderful. It's just, it's just wonderful. I like how you've thought of all of these other things and broadened it up. So there's, there's just so many, so many levels of thoughtfulness. I mean, being able to keep, a body at home if that's what you want to do or because I have a friend who's a, a death doula. And so that's something that doulas try to do with people too, is try and see how they can help the body be there longer for people because not everybody, it is, it is rushed yeah. when you go through it. It is very rushed. It, four hours goes fast. It seems like a long time, but 
it's over and that body's gone. That's really hard. That is a hard part of this whole process too, is to lose that tangible essence of that person. So, uh, but you've thought of that and then you're thinking of the things that are um, burial options that are so unique and so beautiful. I mean, I think somebody who's drawn to what you're doing is looking for something that's a little more natural anyway. So I would think that would just be a natural progression to go with one of these other options that you have, but it's just beautiful. It just sounds like such a lovely process to work with you through such a difficult time. You know, it's not like going shopping to go buy fun things. It's, it's a hard thing, but I just think this would be very comforting. And then, I mean, to know that your loved one's ashes are, are a tree now that are, you know, and then they do, they become part of the tree. They become part of the molecular makeup of that tree. That's yeah. just amazing. That's really neat that you're a part of this whole thing. I, 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 it's, I, I, your, your journey is just wonderful. I just That's enjoy very encouraging. hearing about Thank it. I will let people know how they can get a hold of you because that may be something they want to consider. And they can even just contact you or your website just to find out more, even if they don't have a need right now, but just to know more about it. I think it's always good if you can familiarize yourself with all the options out there. Who's 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 a good skilled nursing place for you? Who's a good uh, funeral home for you? Just to know these things. Um, and so the name of your business is White Rose Aqua Cremation. And so the website, which I'll have the link for you, if you're listening, I'll have the link for you in the show notes, but it's whiterosequacremation.com. And I'll also give you the phone number there and I'll give it to you here in case you want to write it down. The phone number is 442-777-6077. And you can call and get more information. And this, this is just something you want to have in your back pocket for when you need it. Just good. Thank to you. Know. Thank you very much. So, David, I'd like to thank you for your time. Yes, thank you for your time. I really appreciate all your information. You're so knowledgeable and you're so kind and so um, so serving to help people. In I this appreciate time. that. Thank you very lives. much. You're very encouraging as well. Uh, and I just really appreciate uh, what you're putting out there and helping people and, and familiarizing them with different uh, platforms um, in our industries and the surrounding industries is also important. So I, I know that to be, uh, especially after meeting you, I know that's... Uh, that's an awesome thing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Pivot and Thrive. I hope you learned something and I hope you enjoyed listening to my guest. If you know somebody who you think would make a great guest on the show, would you please contact me? You can go to my website at retirementpurposecoach.com and go down to the contact me section and let me know who I should be talking to. Also, if you are in need of a retirement coach yourself, you'd like some help figuring out what your path is or where you're supposed to be going every day with your life, you can contact me there and set up a free 15 to 20 minute consultation. I'd love to talk to you. Have a great day.